Discover the wisdom and power of God's truth. Get ready to be renewed, inspired, and equipped to live out the teachings of God's Word daily. Welcome to this episode of Rewritten Life. I'm your host, Roxanne. Welcome everyone to another episode. Before we begin, I just kind of wanted to give you guys something to expect from these podcasts. Um, You know, you're going to hear my accent. Supposedly I have one and it's supposedly really heavy. Listen, English is not my first language. Spanish is my first language. So you're probably going to hear some Spanglish along the way. I may remember to translate that, what I like to say, interpret. But um, know that you're going to hear that um, and you're definitely going to hear the word. You're going to hear the word rightfully divided. Um, I would explain it to the best that I can, of course, with the Holy Spirit's help. And you're going to understand where the context is coming from, who's speaking. So we, we kind of break it down for you. And then what you're not going to hear is I'm not going to compromise the word. I'm not going to share my opinion of what I think the word may say. I'm going to say what it says, what it's meant to say so that you can understand what God is trying to say to you. Because as you're listening to these podcasts, I do want you to ask these questions to yourself. Like, is there a sin that I need to take care of? Or is there a commandment that I have to make? Is this a promise from God? What is God asking me of me? What is he asking of me? So these are questions that you should be asking when you're listening to any any podcast that are doing some sort of teaching on it. Um, it's for you to get what God is trying to get to you. Yes, my grammar is not great. Uh, so know that as well. And um, <laughs> you're gonna, we're going to have fun, but you're going to get some good, good content. So I'm really, really excited about today's episode. As you can see from the... From the title is Dirty Secret, How Jesus Taught, Rinsed, and Renewed. And yes, this is response in response to the Super Bowl ad where it was talking about Jesus gets us. Um, he, They said that he didn't teach hate. Duh. He, of course he didn't teach hate because he is a God of love. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, to die for our sins. That is in John 3.16. Very, very popular scripture. And then it also said that. It said Jesus didn't teach hate. That he washed feet. Well, we're going to get into that. Um, and that's that scripture is going to be found in the book of John chapter 13. But before we get there. Because one of the reasons why Jesus taught, um, why he did that, and that, by the way, that was the only mentioning uh, in the entire New Testament of Jesus washing any feet. And he specifically did it to the disciples. And I'm going to go into that in a second. But before I do, because I really want you to understand the whole purpose of that was that Jesus taught through parables. And so parables are illustrations of truth. It creates interest for more information and it's literal. So I'm going to give you a parable because a parable is just an illustration. You hear this a lot with a lot of um, sermons or, or teachings. They use illustrations so that you can understand what they're, what the word is trying to say. 
But Jesus was like the master of this. He used parables. So for example, this is many years ago when I lived in New York City. Ariel was very little. And we would go to Central Park. And on Sundays, it would be completely shut down. The inner, it's like an inner road that took the entire Central Park. Really, really cool. If you had never been there, you got to do that on a Sunday, especially during the spring and summertime. And so we would go every Sunday, every Sunday. And she had a bike and I would walk with her because she was training. She had the wheels, the training wheels. And once she was off the training wheels, I would just walk with her to make sure she was fine. Well, eventually I got tired of that. So I bought rollerblades and I'm thinking, man, you know, I, I grew up and I used to like rollerblade. I used to like jam on it. I like, I knew how to roller skate. It was fun <laughs> and I have great stories with that, but rollerblades I figured man this is so easy rollerblades was like ice skating and I just really found it fun so went on it and I've been I'm telling you I've been on the road a lot on, on Central Park so once we we got this to this one point and it looked it it wasn't a steep hill but it looked uh it didn't look dangerous it really didn't well I'm going down and I'm just going and I'm noticing that my legs became like spaghettis they were like and I lost total control and I said, bam, and I rolled like seven times and then I slid down the rest of the hill and then I stood there. I was so embarrassed. I did not want to get up because I knew if I got up, I was going to fall again. So I stood down and there, yes, there were people that a lot of people laughed, but there were so many people that came over, like, hey, ma'am, are you okay? Do you need help? I was like, no, it's okay because I was mortified. Then eventually I crawled my way to the grass where I put my shoes and I went home. That day was over. I was so embarrassed. And of course my daughter had a blast. Um, and she, I'm, I haven't asked her if she remembers because I'm pretty sure she did. Um, but it was, it was memorable. But here's what I learned from that. It's like I should have really scouted the area in terms of rollerblading not on a bike because that is totally different when you're rollerblading and after that I never went back to Central Park because there are a lot of hills a lot of, and the, some of them are super steep where you know I kind of punked out and just like walked on the grass until I got to the bottom of the hill um, instead I went to the West Side Highway where they had a beautiful leveled road and I and it was absolutely gorgeous because you have the Hudson River there on the side so it was beautiful and it was leveled and it was nicely paved so there was no ditches or anything so that's what I learned from that it was an illustration of learning to know what road you're rolling on and maybe that could be another podcast but yeah really definitely not so that is an illustration of what to do and it and it creates interest of like how did the day end I'm sure and hope and hopefully nobody's laughing about what happened but more information of like what not to do because certainly it wasn't things to do but Jesus used his parables because he wasn't rollerblading or falling down anywhere but he used it to impart instruction and rebuke without causing offense and that's a very unique skill set that he had because of course he's God, but it's something for us to follow and is imparting instruction and rebuke without causing offense. And that is exactly what took place 
when he was washing the disciples' feet. So let's look at Matthew 13, chapter 10. Before we go there, it says, uh, this is talking about the, this is a parable of, of the farmer's seed. So in verse 10, it said, his disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? Jesus replied, when you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken from them. That is why I use parables for they look, but they really don't see. They hear, but they really don't listen or understand. And, and I know a lot of us can relate to that because you know, when you're talking to your kids, moms, dads, you talking to your kids, it's like they hear you, but they're not really listening or paying attention because I know they understand. So I really think it's, they're not listening. They're not listening because you're like, I just said this. Like, <laughs> did you not, did you not hear me? But really is like, are you really listening? And the same thing with looking, you give them instruction, go, go here, go find this, but they really don't see it. And that's why Jesus used parable and he used that to teach. So notice his disciples says, why do you use it to talk to people? And that's talking, he's teaching, he's teaching his people. Um, so we also see if you, if you go down to verse 34 in chapter 13, Matthew, it says, Jesus always always use stories and illustrations like these when speaking to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables. This fulfilled what God has spoken through the prophet in the book of, of um, Psalms. It says, I will speak to you in parables. I will explain things hidden since the creation of the world. So it was a fulfillment of a prophecy as I said, mentioned in Psalms. So notice that he uses these stories as illustration. So one thing to note if you are, if you are taking notes is like the principles of the interpretations are specific, specifically given by Jesus only. Anything that's outside of that, anything outside of Jesus' interpretation or even the purpose of what that parable is, is unscriptural very 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 important because this is where you see a lot of people make the mistake of saying hmm this is what I really think happened actually why don't you why don't you interpret what Jesus really meant by that because he's the only one that really can interpret it because he's the one that's teaching it so be careful when you hear in a parable what is it that God is trying to teach remember what is God asking of you what is he's asking you to do about that so when you're seeing these parables and, and in Matthew, there, there are over 10 parables in there. Some of the most popular ones are the 10 virgins, which is really talking about us making sure that we're prepared for when the second coming comes. And then he talks about the talents. That's another one that's very popular. That's in the book of Matthew. And that's talking about what is it that you're doing with your gifts? Are you burying it or are you investing it? And again, that's God asking you, what are you doing? 
he teaches it and then you ask what am i doing with it right so hopefully that really understands but let's go really into the scripture that we really came into this podcast to listen to and that is found in the book of john we're gonna go to chapter 13. now you most people in your subtitle of your chapter 13 um, and mine i'm reading out of the new living translation um it says jesus washes his disciple feet so this wasn't to the masses this wasn't to crowds this was just to his disciples they had prepared a supper and what they didn't know was that this was the last supper this is known as the last supper and they found a room and they and they prepared for this supper now this room just so you know is also the same room what what's considered in the book of acts as the upper room same room really cool so in this room this is what what took place for this last supper and this was shared on the night before jesus death so again key points here to remember is that disciples were his only audience his only people that he was talking this to because in here he was giving them final instructions to prepare for his death and resurrection so let's go right into it right from verse one it says before the passover celebration jesus knew that this that this that his hour has come to leave this world and return to his father he had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth and now he loved them to the very end okay verse two it was time for supper and the devil had already prompted judas to betray jesus beginning of chapter two uh verse two again it was time for supper so they're ready for supper and think about when you go to a restaurant you're ready to eat many of us say hey let me go to the restroom and what do we do we wash our hands right but back in those days they took actually they took two baths before they prepare for this dinner and on their way they took a bath and then they came because they didn't have showers then they came to the supper well they had what i call jesus sandals and that's open there was no paved roads there was none of that so you would imagine open toe sandals running through the dirt and you get to the restaurant and in this case was the upper room and their feet are dirty so but the supper was set they they prepare the food the table is set they're they're ready to sit down and they're ready to eat during that time the devil had already prompted judas to betray jesus he prompted him okay verse 3 jesus knew that the father had given him authority over everything and had come from god and would return to god verse 4 so jesus got up from the table took off his robe wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin so he got up from the table and took off the robe so most in those days they would take off their robe to work or to go to sleep so jesus took it off to work labor work and then he wrapped a towel around his waist which signified that it was like he was the lowest servant so the disciples usually were the ones that were servant to him they served jesus and in here 
and we see in other passages, Jesus served the disciples, hence why he was washing their feet, right? So he poured, verse 5, and he poured the water in the basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. So not only did he wash their feet, he dried their feet. Verse 6, when Jesus came to Peter, Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Verse 7, Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you don't, you won't belong to me. So, wash in this text, in the Greek word is nipto. And that is to wash a part of the body. Not bapto, which is where baptism come from, which means fully immersed. It's part of the body. So unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew he would for Jesus knew who would betray him, and that is what he meant when he said, Not all of you are clean. So that word clean is means free. It's a Greek word. It says free from corrupt desi- desires from sin and and guilt. So corrupt desire. So Judas had a corrupt desire and it was to betray Jesus. He wasn't free from having that corrupt desire. And so having that in mind, Jesus was saying, not all of you are clean. And he wasn't just talking about Judas. He was talking. He was also talking about Peter. Very, very interesting because so many people just talk about Judas, but actually it was two of them. It was Judas and Peter. And so we go on to say in verse 12, after washing their feet, he put his robe back again and sat down and asked them. So notice he finished washing all their feet, worked, and then he put his robe back on. And verse 12, he says, do you understand what I'm doing? what I was doing. You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that is what I am. And since I, I, your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their masters, nor is the messenger more important than the ones who send the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. So he's talking about in here, the reason that he was washing their feet was because they had an argument about who would be the greatest among them as far as the disciples. And that can be found in the book of Luke 22 verse 24. And the whole reason why he did that was to to emphasize the absolute 
It's almost like a requirement to get rid of this mindset that we need to be like in control of like wanting to be like a super, super Christian leader over other Christians. He didn't want them to think that way because I think honestly they would have really destroyed everything that he worked up to this point because remember this was two days or the day before he died on the cross he they would have destroyed it all so he had to nip it in the butt and in fact this wasn't even the first time that he was rebuking them because remember he uses the parable to instruct to give instructions but also to rebuke without offense so he's talking about the washing of the feet i do this unto you you are to be servants serve each other right um, and so we see that in first Peter five, six, it says, so humble yourself under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. So stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And that person to devour was Judas in this case because he was looking for someone. So we read on. So verse 18, I'm not saying these things to all of you. I know the ones I have chosen, but this fulfills the scripture that says the one who eats my food has turned against me. I tell you before this beforehand so that when it happens, you will believe that I am the Messiah. I tell you the truth. Anyone who welcomes my messenger is welcoming me. And anyone who welcomes me is welcoming the father who sent me. So he says the messenger is welcoming me. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. So anyone who welcomes the Holy Spirit is welcoming Jesus. And anyone who welcomes Jesus is welcoming God who sent him, which is his father. So now... Verse 21, Jesus was deeply troubled. He explained, he, he exclaimed, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. And he, God, he set this to appeal to Judas's conscience. It's almost like he was giving him like a last warning. He was like, dude, I know this is you. Like, just fess up. 22, the disciples looked at each other wondering, who could he mean? Like, who is he talking about, right? Verse 23, the disciples loved, the disciples Jesus loved was sitting next to Jesus at the table. Simon Peter motioned to him to ask, who is he talking about? So that disciples leaned over to Jesus and asked, Lord, who is it? Verse 26, Jesus responds, it is the one to whom I give the bread, I dip in the bowl. And when he dipped it, he gave it to Judas. Verse 27. When Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered into him. Very interesting because there in verse 26, when he says, It is the one that I give the bread, that I dip the bowl. He's appealing to Judas's heart. But at this point, it was so hardened that he couldn't really receive what Jesus was saying to him. 
and there's many Christians like that maybe have fallen away from their relationship with God maybe they were upset at him for something that might have happened in their lives and and so it's hardened it's like as much as we say Jesus loves you they don't they don't believe it they don't receive it their their hearts are just like I it's just so hardened um and that is what opens up Judas to Satan's control because he did warn them in verse 21 like he 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 was really giving him that forewarning like I know it's you just it's almost like just repent just say it's me and so so it just happened so verse 27 when he ate it so there was action there he had to do something it's not like Satan just came in him when he ate it was denying things of of God like he just like okay and because Jesus said it if I give it to you and I dip it then it's you he said it in verse 19 I tell you beforehand so that when it happens you believe that I am who I am in verse 18 it says the one who eats my food has turned against me I tell you beforehand so he's letting everyone know ahead the one that eats it is the one that does it and so Judas ate it ate it knowing that if he eats it he's the one that's against him and that's how Satan comes in so whenever we we are against God that gives the enemy foothold it gives the enemy entrance when we go against his commands a promise uh, something that he's asking us to do then that's when Satan is able to come in because you wonder how did that happen he was a disciple he followed him everywhere but the answer is right there in in verse 27 it was when he ate the bread Satan entered into him then Jesus told him hurry and do what you're going to do none of the other others at the table knew what Jesus meant since Judah was the treasurer, some thought Jesus was telling him to go and pay for the food and give some money to the poor. So Judas left us at once, going into the night. And then in verse 31, he's predicting Peter's denial. He says, you're going to deny me three times before the crows, um, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning. So he he knew that so so notice that he said there is one but it was really two um he says one of you one of you will betray me but at that point in verse 21 he is specifically talking about judas he is talking about it and then he predicted that um peter denied him so you know when 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 judas ate the bread remember he he went against him in Matthew 18 1 through 7 which I'm not going to read all of it but in verse 3 it says I tell you the truth unless you turn from your sins and become like little children you will never get into the kingdom of heaven which is what happened to Judas he will never enter the kingdom of heaven because he did not turn away from his sin and so 
so that's what it's talking about. You need to turn away. It's almost like you got to do a full about face. So in the video, it, in the beginning, it's set or at the very end, it says Jesus gets us. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. Let's go to second Peter real quick. And you're going to see in second Peter chapter three, verse eight, it says, but you must not forget this one, dear friends. I love how that opens up. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed. He wants everyone to repent. So he's not being slow to his promise. In another translation, it says he's not being a slacker. <laughs> And I know I call a lot of people slackers. You know who you are. But Jesus is not being a slacker. He's not being slow about his promise. His promises are what? Yes and amen. But some people think he's slow to his promise. No, he's not. He's being patient for you because he does not want you to be destroyed. The enemy comes for what? To kill, steal, and destroy. He does not want anyone to be destroyed. But wants everyone to repent, turn away, just turn away. So don't be ignorant of what you're hearing. And I'm telling you, at the end of this podcast, there is an opportunity for you to receive Jesus in your heart. There is that opportunity. And I just encourage you to wait to the very end so that you can do that prayer at the very end. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, it says, This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand truth. Timothy was really giving instructions here about worship. The word worship means adoration. In, in Spanish, it's adorar, it's to adore God. When we go to praise and worship, we are adoring him, we're thanking him. Thank you for everything that you have done to us, for us. I thank you for the provisions that are coming our way. I thank you for your blessings. I thank you for your blood that washes us. I just thank you. You're thanking God. You're adoring him. And so Timothy was giving instructions on that. And it says in verse three, it says, this is good. And it pleases our Lord for he wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. So there's two parts of it. Like we talked about in the beginning of these podcasts, this is the very first one. When you become saved, it's not only about you're saved and it's like, oh, wonderful, I'm going to heaven. No, but it's also knowing who you are in Christ. And in here it says understanding the truth. The word truth, this is like understanding what the word of God is. What is the word saying about you? So so we saw the, the commercial and it says Jesus didn't teach hate. No, he didn't teach. But I tell you what, when he taught, he taught standing he taught sitting he taught in synagogues which is churches he he taught in streets he taught in boats he taught in fields he also taught while people were plotting to kill him and he taught only what the father said he always taught in parables he taught with real authority and he when he taught he healed so here's the things that he did for us. When Jesus taught, people fell to his feet. People turned away from sinning. People obeyed his command and people followed him. And as a result, we have been forgiven. 
redeem, cleanse, set free, and healed. And so when we talk about, because the title says Jesus, how Jesus taught, we talked about that. We talked about how he rinsed us, which is washed us. He washed us. He didn't just wash feet and that was only in one instance and that was only to his disciples. He rinsed us. He washed us, right? It says that God bought us with a high price. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. Purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sin. He rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Who purchased your freedom and forgave your sins. So these are the things that he did. He he rinsed us and then he renewed us. He renewed us with the word of God. He didn't just be like, okay, you're saving right. Peace out. No, he sent his Holy Spirit. And what does the Holy Spirit does? They teaches us all things and, and bring to our remembrance everything that Jesus said. And thank God that he had anointed so many teachers to teach us what the word of God says. Because that is where you begin to be renewed in your mind. Because it says when you become uh, a believer, you are as a new creature. All old things, all things pass away. Behold, all things become new. You are a new creature in Christ. I don't care what anybody else says. This is what the word of God says about you. You have been redeemed and set free. It says it a ton time. And you know what? Listen to the last two podcasts. Because I talk about from bondage to redeem, from redeem to freedom. This is what God has done for you through the blood of Christ. So I pray that this really helped you out. This is one of the ways that I break down the word whenever I see something that's oh, it's a little off. Remember in the last podcast we talked about when something, when you take a true or false test, if a little bit is off or if it's wrong, it's false. It's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. And so keep that in mind when you see something like, hmm, some of it is right, some of it is wrong, all of it is wrong. If it's either all true or or it's in that case as all false. So I came out with a journal that helps people to break down the word and you could do you could use this for your own study guide. If there's something that you're interested in, it's going to help you break down the word on your own. I will put that link in uh, in the description. But I pray that this really, this podcast really, really helped bring some clarification to what you see. And if there's something that you want some clarification or you want um, help to, to break it down, be sure to send me a comment and I'll be more than happy to do that for you. So everybody have a blessed week. That does it for this episode. We never want you to leave without knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that you will go to heaven and have Jesus in your heart. Remember, the word of God says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you would like the gift that God has for you today, repeat after me with all of your heart and say it out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me and cleanse me. Set me free. Jesus, thank you that you died for me. I believe that you are risen from the dead and that you're coming back again for me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Give me a hunger for the things of God and a holy boldness to preach the word of Jesus Christ. I am saved. I'm born again. I'm forgiven. 
and I'm on my way to heaven because I have Jesus in my heart. As a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I will tell you today that your sins are forgiven. Always remember to run to God and not from God because he loves you and he has a great plan for you. Be sure to find a church that has a healthy balance between his spirit and his word. If you're a believer and this is your first time tuning in, we'd love for you to subscribe and check out our next podcast.